Welcome back to another installment of A New Normal. I'm Startwell's founder and CEO, Kasim Virgi, and in this session, we're sitting down with Kelly Peters, who is the CEO and co-founder of BE Works. It's going to be short because I know we're both pressed for time today, but uh, it's a pleasure having you, and I'm really excited to hear about you know, BE Works and uh, the work that you guys are doing right now. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. I think that you've uh, always had some really cool community building approaches. So I'm super happy to be a part of yet another one of your ways of creating community. It's about behavior. It's about understanding how and why we make the decisions that we do to the best of our ability. Um, and it's about impacting and influencing that behavior and so driving that behavioral change and then that is all sitting on top of this framework that's called the scientific method and that's where data starts to you know kind of show itself and 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 play out but the thing that's really neat about this scientific method is you know actually data data has all of these different characteristics there's there's data can be super simple it could be how many times uh, somebody walks past my window and i just write those observations down it's something that i'm seeing um or it could be even more basic than that which is let me make a guess on how many times people walk by my my window and and causing my dog to bark which right. could happen so that's just based on my guess my prior experience so that could be data too what that number is but then data can get very fancy data can take on this whole other level first of all we can improve it with really robust technology maybe i use like a digital counter um, I do sampling across different days and different periods, and then I can maybe create averages based on the weather. So now data can become more and more sophisticated. But then data in its most sophisticated form is as a function of a randomized controlled test or an experiment. And that's when we've designed data in such a way that, um, in this case, we're just looking at and gathering observations. But in the case of evidence, we've actually designed a randomized control test, and it now has all of this peer review that went into the process, um, lots of people in, in, like influencing the design, it adheres to these scientific standards, and that data, well, that's the data that we can have the most confidence in, because now it actually even has a different label, and that's called evidence. So BE Works is in the business of changing people's behavior to get better outcomes, but we don't just recommend. Instead, we design experiments that let us test our hypotheses about what might be effective. Yeah, and I think it's, um, it's interesting because it's been how many years now that the consultancy has kind of uh, formed into a practice? Yeah, so the idea started in, in 2010. I had built a behavioral economics team in 2008, so I've been at this for a little while. Yeah, about a decade, just over that. Yeah, yeah. Um, still feel like a startup, though, just so you know. No, that's good. That means <laughs> that you like what you do. Um, yeah. Or at least there's some, like, the, the burning motivation to kind of, like, get stuff get stuff done. But 
Okay, so how we came into contact, of course, was when BE Works uh, for a, a short time was resident here at Startwell. And, um, and you know, so you, you existed somewhere before, you existed somewhere after. That's where you guys are now. Although I want to hear a little bit about uh, the place, I guess, now that you call home. And then we can talk about your team and how you guys are dispersed a little bit and where, where you exist um, before we get into the COVID stuff. Yeah, our real estate journey has been fun. I'll even I'll even add a little bit more to that. I call it's just frankly because I just love how I how that journey evolved. Um, we started in a space that I like to call the cupboard under the stairs, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was really neat how all of that evolved. And it was one of those things that showed me how important space is to our sense of connection and our ability to collaborate. And when uh, we started out, we had uh, an office that was in the former dean of uh, the Rotman School of Management at University of Toronto. I was part of an organization called the Institute for Competitiveness and Prosperity. And they had some nice offices at Bloor and Avenue Road and, and kindly let us uh, sublet um, this office within, you know, at, one office within that overall office. And um, it was a very small space, but at the time it was just me and, and two of our co-founders um, who were only there part-time. So really it was just me sitting at a desk in a small <laughs> empty office going, what the hell have I done? Um, and, uh, and, and we grew and I hired a person, we hired another person, business started to come in it got to the point where there were eight of us in this very small room and it was this cupboard under the stairs and we shared our desks even we shared we shared you know practically shared our pencil case because it was so small we were all able to reach the same pencil case like <laughs> and then what happened was uh the institute had their new formal headquarters um finally were built at University of Toronto and they moved and we had access to the rest of the 3000 square feet or so for the remainder of the of the lease. So here we are with these nice, I mean, there were nice view uh, on on Bloor Street of, uh, you know, the Rome and the city. Yeah. And yet, uh, instead of people spreading out to those different offices, people were coming in the eight people would still show up in this small cupboard. Instead of starting to occupy the other desks, we aggregated into this tight little hive. And it stayed like that for a month. Until one day, I was like, this is just so curious. Till one day, I wrote everybody's names on pieces of paper and taped them on these this the space was set up with all of these independent offices until I actually pasted their names. Did people finally start to 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 move apart, spread out um, in in the real estate? So that was such an interesting uh, phenomenon for me to see how people wanted to be in proximity. Um, I mean, we understand that now more than ever. Um, and it's, it's important for us to how, you know, figure out how the heck we're going to satisfy our social need to, to be near one another. And of course, there's a balance. There's a balance between the solitude that we need to, to think 
um, with the, the need that we have for that social interaction. So it's a very interesting time. So yeah, we, after we outgrew that space, um, we needed a new home and uh, we moved into a heritage building. We outgrew that space. Uh, we also had crazy stories there. We had a mop room with a giant mop, like the big yellow industrial mop bucket. Yeah. And the cleaning crew always kept it filled with like gray water and Lysol. I, it just, it was horrible. And it was in this, in, along with our server and stuff, was in this, it was literally the mop room. And we had garbage cans like right outside that space. And then our kitchen, we, we got to the point where we were taking meetings in what was called the mop room and we put it into our scheduling system. That was your call booth? <laughs> the mop room. We had to actually take calls in there till we outgrew, um, till, till we found a, a new space, which was the former Museum of uh, Modern Art uh, at Queen and, uh, and Shaw. But we had this period while our space was being built um, and transformed from, you know, one of the coolest uh, hubs for amazing Canadian contemporary art into our hub for, for science. And that took time. And, and that's what led us, that's what led us to you. And I met some of the coolest people. I met, uh, I met a really cool musician who's become a, 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 a great friend, uh, Gupreet, um, who did we ended up talking about technology and music and I met some of the other really cool tech startup folks in your space. So it was, it was a fun, fun home for us for a while. So Kelly, how many people are on your team now? How many people work at BeWorks? Be yes, yeah, yeah, so we've got about 50 people. Um, they're not all in Toronto. We've got um, a team in Tokyo and we've got a fellow in Bogota and we have an affiliate in Nairobi. And really? Because of course I used to live there. So that's, that's close to home. My brother's still in Nairobi. Awesome. Good to know. Because yeah. there's always a need for, for networking and connections and, and relationships on the ground in these different places. Because where people are matters. And being together and having our network is, uh, is, is so helpful. So it's... it's such an awful time for so many people right now. It absolutely is. Um, but it, if, if we can take time to reflect, and, and I hope, you know, as your community is, is listening to this, like I, I really respect the fact that, you know, people are listening. It means you're curious. It means you're thinking about things. It means you're trying to learn new ideas. And I miss doing that in person, but I love the fact that you've structured uh, this podcast as a way to just keep those dialogues going. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, it is. I think dialogue is really so important to not only the human experience, but of course to work that is fulfilling. People need to be able to communicate, uh, you know, and, and have the freedom to do so. So also an undernote in some of these conversations I'm having with technologists uh, that will go live in the next two weeks uh, is really about like, how are these tools being provided uh, post COVID and during COVID uh, you know, what, what actual solutions are people creating to enable digital communication in ways that we haven't uh, yet conceived of, uh, which were inspired by this period. So, uh, yeah, it is, it's, a, it's a great time to be chronicling innovation, uh, but it, it's a terrible time for people who want to be together. And I think you used a word that I'm using a lot these days, which is proximity. I like that word. Um, 
And, uh, and I think it's interesting to hear the real estate story of kind of ebbs and flexes of, of your team growing in spaces and then being globally dispersed. So there's got to be, you know, that value that you've had for uh, working remotely and working with uh, people who are not physically in the same office. Of course, this seems to have possibly informed the diagnostic tool that I wanted to scratch your brain on, uh, which you guys have, uh, have created. Uh, so I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about the work from home diagnostic tool. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to share some of that thinking. Um, it was definitely born from our natural desire at, at BE Works, which is to um, understand, you know, to see a dynamic coming and then understand as best we can um, that from a scientific perspective. And we're not in the position to build, you know, the, the, the technological solutions, but our job is to, is to understand the behavior. Um, so, so we, we build the tools and, and we have like incredible cloud computing, communication technologies and capabilities, and, and there's still so much innovation in that area. But when it comes to making those things successful, there's so many tools, which ones do we get people to use? There's so many ways to communicate, which are the right ones for the right kind of communication. Um, we start to move into uh, the kinds of things that we specialize in. So for instance, um, we find that there's a tremendous amount of anxiety that is being caused by the way we're managing our communication uh, habits. Many people tend to just, you know, email comes in, they respond. Uh, a direct message comes in, they respond. And one of the things that we know is that has a, has a negative impact on our anxiety level. Um, we, we keep switching and it inhibits our ability to have focused work, which lets us think better, get into the flow, start to tap into our creativity and ideation. And so instead, we need to look at things like there's this kind of quirky term that's been developed called bursty communications, which is instead we need to have the discipline to schedule when we're going to look at our, uh, our, our inbound communications. Um, as a way to stabilize those constant interruptions or the temptation to constantly look to see if we've received new messages. We need to do that because as I've said, it increases our anxiety and we might not be aware of that impact and it decreases our productivity and inhibits our creativity. So we might've built these wonderful tools and technologies that, you know, short form, long form, uh, but, we need to look at and take into consideration the psychological and behavioral aspects of these technologies. And that's what, that's what we do. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, a massive topic. Uh, you know, how, I guess the, the, the issue of the, how do you assess the damage um, to the daily flow and also to the general mind state of uh, employees or, or staff or people, even if they're no matter what the hierarchy of a, of a team is, if it's used to this kind of like push driven uh, mandates within an organization, um, being remote uh, opens so much room up for assumptive behavior um, and people assuming a certain response time and a certain uh, answerability. Uh, and uh, and it's, it's kind of scary. I think it's scaring a lot of people to feel like we're in this like post-industrial reality of stamp, stamp, pass, if not, 
uh, push the button over and over and that's your new job. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the, the diagnostic tool and, uh, and, and how it works. Yeah, so the, the gist is um, we've identified the five factors that we think that organizations need to take into consideration when it comes to understanding uh, the employee experience with regards to work from home. Um, and those five dimensions cover um, some, some are about the individual and how they're feeling and doing. And some are about how individuals are doing in terms of the team. And some are about uh, the relationship between um, the firm and the individual. So those, those five dimensions are, well, first of all, it's around um, you know, productivity. You know, how, 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 what are the impacts to, to productivity? And I just spoke about I just spoke about that. Um, yep. We like to look at that from two dimensions. One is just how productive you are, but it's also how creative uh, you are as an individual. So we, we put those things together and we think that um, some of the big challenges that, that we face are first of all, overcoming um, organizational um, biases that generally tend to assume that employees are going to be less productive and less creative working from home than they are at the office when in fact there's lots of really neat studies that had been done prior to COVID-19, empirical work, looking at things like people's uh, performance when they were working from home. And, and generally those studies indicate that, that people can be more productive and more creative. And it's, it's a variety of reasons, everything from reduced commute time and decreased stress to um, having the potential ability to um, work more in solitude and be free of the, of the distractions that uh, keep us from um, thinking about new ideas or new ways to, to tackle problems. So, so this is the, the first dimension that, that we study, which is around um, how do we uh, recognize um, those potential um, barriers and biases around employee creativity and productivity, but then recommending solutions that can actually help, help strengthen it and optimize it even more. Some of that is just like decreasing um, people's likelihood to engage in multitasking, increasing people's likelihood to engage in activities in a focused way by booking time to just do one thing. So if you're multitasking right now, it's harder for you. We would, can give you a test of your, of your working memory on what you recall from the conversation. And it, it's going to be lower than if it was uh, focused and you did things like doodle or draw or did other kind of mindless activities while you're listening. So it's about giving that kind of advice. Um, another, another dimension is around trust. And there's some things here that are, I think for, uh, I know that uh, part of your community is small business owners and they manage teams and, and they're probably, you know, it's a very, very complex time for that. One of the things that um, our research shows is that when uh, business leaders um, are able to help employees to understand uh, the resilience and the recovery potential of the firm, then employees um, can feel more connected. And in particular, 
if, if that communication is done in such a way that employees are able to see the connection between their effort and the impact that they are having on that resilience and recovery potential of the firm, then they are more motivated probably than ever to continue to work hard and to help do their best that they can to facilitate the success of the firm. So, so addressing um, that kind of operational transparency is very important. <laughs> Work from home. Um, it's funny because I just Sorry had a, that. no, that's fine. I just had a conversation actually with Yenza Three, which is a consultancy that specializes in uh, systems for uh, the transmission of knowledge. Uh, they help. Uh, all sorts of organizations, including like the body that manages the LA airports to, um, to create peer review systems and create on the job training uh, mechanisms and, uh, and, and also promote cultures of knowledge exchange in organizations. And this was a big thing that that conversation yielded as well is the insight that a lot of their uh, clients that they work with are dealing with this. This is a time when people feel so set apart from uh, the community that normally uh, justifies their uh, sense of belonging to a company. Um, and in order to strengthen that or, or, or bring that back again, uh, there has to be this kind of return to onus, a sense of people um, seeing the, the output of their work as resulting in a collective good um, and feeling that that's really something that's so sticky and making someone feel part of uh, an organization. Absolutely. Another dimension then of our tool is around uh, social connection. And this one's particularly interesting around uh, work isn't just showing up uh, to go in and do your job. It's not just about having meetings to, you know, tackle something at hand, but there is this element and need for social connection. And that's you know, acknowledging a colleague's birthday, it's asking them about their family, it's having a laugh over coffee. And this is one of the most complex areas of working from home that we need to continue to tackle and requires companies to be bold in order to help protect the culture. And um, we've, we've done a number of things and I, I think that we need to, you know, continue experimenting with them so long as the, so long as the lockdown continues, but also as, as work from home becomes uh, potentially a hybrid model right. that becomes right. a, a permanent way of working, we need to figure out different ways to experiment and have fun with ways to sustain and create social connection. And I've been in, you know, I've done all kinds of really fun, crazy things that I, I had never, you know, we hadn't done before. Like, I don't know if you've done any of these Zoom parties, you know, where there's a DJ and folks, you know, putting costumes and, you know, dance in their living room. And so I've done a, I've done a few of these and, you know, they're, the first time was very novel. The second time, you know, I was really into the DJ, but you know, third time, a little bit more of like, let's just play the music, but standing in front of the computer, you know, trying to do some moves yeah. um, is, is too much of a, of a spectator activity. And, exactly. And, yeah. and so nevertheless, I was, I was very excited to, you know, do this the first few times 
you know, one, a more formally organized event and another one, you know, a friend had pulled together as a way to, to connect us all and, and have some fun. Uh, but, you know, how and what should we continue to, to do um, that facilitates social connection, but isn't lame? Right, exactly. <laughs> so we've got so many incredible artists and performers and entertainers and event producers that are, you know, unemployed now that I think companies should bring some of these folks back in to brainstorm um, what are some other ways to help facilitate and foster that social connection. So I think that there's an important opportunity there for, for more innovation. Oh, I totally agree. It's something that I was um, I'm running conversation on and we did one episode with my friend uh, Tarun, who's a festival um, director in Vancouver, the 5X Festival. Um, and this will be their first year taking their entire festival, which has thousands of participants online. And they're more excited than ever um, to produce it. Now, it's not something everyone can do and not everyone in that industry is able to reinvent themselves using technology. Um, but, uh, but some people who are looking uh, to innovate at this time are definitely coming up with, uh, with tricks and means that will not only set the course for their audiences to expect from other uh, vendors and producers that they interact with, but, um, but also hopefully inspire um, other people to, to create ways for, for us to interact in a fun way, for sure. Yeah. So, so the, the fourth one then of, of the five dimensions that, that are, are in our tool are looking at uh, collaboration itself. And, you know, we are losing so many things um, within this uh, communication mechanism. Some of it we, we studied and we thought would be worse than the data seems to suggest that it is. And that is things like, um, when we're hosting our meetings on this channel, um, do we have people that are like the loudest voice and crowding out the ability to have that, you know, true roundtable um, effect, you know, appropriate based on the, the content and ideas that people have? Um, we were worried about that. And we were also worried about um, uh, teams um, potentially uh, becoming victim to groupthink and that um, the ability to provide uh, challenge and dissent uh, within that group, we were afraid that um, this would be harmful to team decision-making. And so these are a couple of the biases that we've been studying to make sure that they don't you know, corrupt um, an already fragile process around you know, healthy, robust, um, uh, uh, team decision making. So we're continuing to track that. Some of our early data suggests that it's not as much of a problem as as our, our early intuition, but um, more more to come on that. And so those are things that are again a part of our our tool. Mm -hmm. And then last but not least, it's uh, psychological safety. And everyone is um, very nervous about their their job. Um, and some of the things that we used to be more comfortable doing, you know, sitting down with the manager and going, hey, you know, this thing isn't working or grabbing a colleague and saying, hey, you know, we've got to iron out some issues. You know, all those things that we used to do when, from our point of view, 
you know, hey, there's an opportunity to improve our communication or our process or, you know, whatever it is. Those kinds of conversations are a lot harder to do now. Oh, for sure. Managing spontaneity, like spontaneity is something with these tools like Zoom and one-on-one conversations, they become so loaded. You're right. Everyone has their time in the queue to speak. And if it's the wrong thing, it's like, oh, no, they're going to record this and play it back. And I'll have said the wrong thing or I use the swear word or... The, the impact of people's participation in conversations feels so much more loaded. It's That's right. That's right. So this, this fifth dimension then is something else that um, we've, we've put in uh, our, our tool. So, I mean, just to, you know, just stepping back, um, when we look at, you know, many companies are, are of course, they're like, hey, how is our team doing with work from home? How are people doing? But they're constructing those tools in such a way that they're, they're uh, not very, first of all, predictive of impact on things like productivity and job satisfaction and psychological safety. Our tool is built on these more uh, robust measures, literature review, determining the right factors, the right measures, the right skills. Um, you know, it's the, it's the scientist approach and the behavioral scientist approach to building a tool that companies can use to really get a, a reliable pulse check on how the team is doing and understand where they should uh, focus their, their efforts. Is there content coming out from this experience of working in this way and, and from this creating this tool and using it um, that people will be able to digest through, uh, through whatever you publish? Or is this something that um, primarily gets communicated through uh, a consultancy engagement? Yeah, it's both. Um, we have launched a, a webinar that's online where we talk about the core tool and its components. And so that's now online. And actually, if I can make a plug, um, Dan, Dan Ariely and I are doing the second phase of this work and sharing our research um, on a webinar on Tuesday, um, let's see. I believe it's. Uh, I should. I should know all of this. My my dates and times, but it's it's coming up, and love to be able to uh, extend an invitation to uh, your crowd. But it's 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern time on Tuesday, uh, May 26th, and that's promoted through beworks.com and then through our social media channels and people can register. And it's a, it's a free knowledge sharing event. And then our clients um, who do engage us through the survey of their own workforce get access to benchmarking how other companies that are similar or dissimilar are, are doing. And, and again, it's our, our point of view on areas that are strong or areas that are, are weak. Fascinating. It's exciting. I'm glad you did plug that because we'll share that through our socials and uh, hopefully attached to this video as well. So if anyone's interested in learning more, they can see the webinar. I'm guessing that you'll have that available uh, post session for people to play back as well. Yes, we will. Excellent. Okay. Well, we'll definitely catch up more. Uh, I know that Today's schedule is a little loaded, so you've got another engagement. But uh, but we should keep the dialogue running through this and post this unfortunate uh, period that we're all trying to figure out. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Likewise.